Thank you. I'm really glad you uh, decided to take part in our online and on-site worship celebration. Oh, down out of the nosebleed section up from up there. It's nice to be back here with regular people. <laughs> all, uh, <clears throat> all humans have experienced pain and experience to uh, and uh, seek to protect their inner selves from uh, suffering more. Whether we refer to them as our souls, our hearts, or our spirits, or something else, we construct walls. Uh, oh, okay. I'll bet I am now. Yep. Okay, let's try this again. All humans have experienced pain and seek to protect their human, their inner selves from more suffering. Whether we refer uh, to them as our souls, our hearts, our spirits, or something else, uh, we construct walls. Our focus on altering behaviors, resolving problems, and cultivating positive attitudes out here, uh, eventually becomes exhausting and frustrating since genuine growth and change begin really within us, in our souls, in our spirit. Knowing Jesus transforms our values, beliefs, and characters. Uh, by experiencing his unconditional love, our wounds are healed and our temperaments are tamed. And so I want to ask you, I want to invite you to join me in a, a journey of discovering how we can live a life of growth from the inside out, as opposed to trying to just change outside things. God's, uh, God's book, the Bible, gives us a lot of uh, guidance about growth and change as Jesus' followers, and it focuses on the inside working out. Um, we're going to start today. The next few weeks, we're going to be, uh, be looking at this whole idea of inside out. And uh, we're going to start today in Philippians chapter 3. There is so much in Philippians chapter 3. But I'm just going to pick out 10, verses 10 to 21. And uh, I just encourage you this. All right. Pastor's giving homework right smack dab at the very beginning. Uh, sometime this afternoon or this week, read Philippians chapter 3. Um, you may want to read it three or four times. Read it and... Uh, it's kind of like, it is the Apostle Paul's testimony of how he went from thinking that having everything together on the outside was what it was all about to realizing that it was an inside issue. <clears throat> and then the outside took care of itself. Well, so we're going to jump in in the middle of this chapter, verse 10. My goal is to know him, to know Christ, to know Jesus, 
That's what he says. That's how he starts verse 10. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or I am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of Christ Jesus. I've been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all of us who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. I'm going to pause. I don't know. I've told you this before, but occasionally I interact with the Bible when I'm reading it. This verse always makes me smile. Paul has just a nice way of saying, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong, but God will help you figure it out. I, I'm not going to argue with you. God will fix you. If you're not sure that that's what that means, read it two or three times, because that's what it means. If you think differently about this issue, God will reveal to you that I'm right. I mean that this is what it's all about. Therefore, all of you who are all of us who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about it, anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join me, join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you. And now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He's not talking about people outside the church. He's talking about people inside the church who are living as enemies. Just want to pause there for a moment to make sure we know who he's talking about. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. But our citizenship is on, in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So, he starts by saying, my goal is to follow Jesus. My goal is to know Jesus. And he says, all who are mature should think this way. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. What is the mindset of the mature follower of Jesus? My goal is to know Jesus. That 
is the mindset of the mature follower of Jesus. And I want you to notice what Paul did not say. Paul did not say, I need to know Jesus. I ought to know Jesus. I want to know more about Jesus. I should know Jesus. If I don't know Jesus' teachings, I'll end up separated from him forever in a very hot spot. And I don't mean Wi-Fi. <laughs> Some of you got that. The rest of you are going, what's that mean? <laughs> that means I edited the very short word that I could have used. That's what that means. Some of us, you know, he didn't say, I need to memorize Jesus' teachings so that I can quote them at a moment's notice. He doesn't say, I need, I need, I need, I ought, I ought, I ought, I should, I should, I should. What he says is, my goal is to know Jesus. The mindset of a mature follower of Jesus isn't shaped by what we feel we ought to do, should do, need to do, want to do in order to somehow please him or please God. The mindset of the mature Christian is shaped by love and relationship with Jesus. That's the goal. Christian maturity grows from an innermost yearning to know Jesus better. It goes deep, deep down inside us to have this, this we, have, we have this yearning and this drive. As mature Christians, we have, we have this drive to know Jesus better. That's what it's about. Now, Paul wrote this when we read this page, it's so easy for us to forget where he was. He drops hints about this throughout the, this letter. This letter was written to, from a dank, dark Roman dungeon. We call, they're traditionally called the prison epistles. But prison is much too nice a word for what Romans did. I mean, we, we see pictures of prisons and, and movies, and they're not pretty. Perhaps you visited prisons. I did some ministry in prison. They're not fun to visit. Jails are not fun to visit. But we're not talking about 21st century or 20th century prisons and jails. We're talking about dungeons. There's no lights. There's no TVs. There's, there's an ugly. It's dark. It's dirty. It's painful. Paul wrote from a hopeless, joyless, loveless place. And he wrote this letter that has become known as the letter of joy. He, the one who is the most 
likely in need of encouragement, became one of the most encouraging people. And what was his secret? As he's writing to these people in the city of Philippi, the Greek city of Philippi, what was his secret? For, for Paul, there was really only one thing. My goal is to know Jesus. <clears throat> for Paul, to know Jesus is to know everything else. To know Jesus is everything. To have a connection and a relationship with Jesus takes care of everything else. It trumps whatever circumstances I'm in. It trumps whatever problems he was facing. So if you take nothing away from the rest of my message, and you take nothing away from what I've said so far, please take away this sermon in a sentence. I stole it straight from Paul, and I am not ashamed of it. I call it research. But you can call it plagiarism if you want. But the sermon in a sentence goes like this. My goal is to know Jesus. I was tempted to ask you to say it with me, but I won't. I'll just say it again. My goal is to know Jesus. My goal is to know Jesus. We're stuck, though, aren't we? What prevents our values, our beliefs, and our characters from being transformed and changed? We, we don't start life wanting to know Jesus. And what keeps our wounds from being healed? What keeps our temperaments from being, uh, what keeps our temperaments wild and untamed? Well, I'm just an Irishman. You know, you can't see the red hairs anymore, but that doesn't hide the fact that I got a short fuse. I'm just a stubborn German. Now, before you think I'm talking about somebody else, you need to know that as both those people, both those things are in my DNA, I'm not confessing for anybody else. I've, I've got the red-haired Irish, short-tempered Scottish. I've got the German. I used to think it was Dutch, and then we found out it's not Dutch, it's Scottish, uh, German. Apparently, the Dutch and the Germans were so close together they couldn't tell which side of the line they were on. Uh, but my mom's family was actually from Germany, not Holland, I guess. That's what we've been, we've been finding out. Oh, well. So I used to think we were cheap. Now I find out we're just stubborn. Uh, <laughs> we're probably stubborn and cheap because we're so close to the border. What keeps our temperaments from, keeps them wild and untamed? How, what, maybe, could it be that we protect our issues and our problems by keeping them out there? We just say, the, the, the problems are out there. We project them out there. We say, if only they would change. 
much. If only I could solve this problem. If only I could get some more sleep, then I'd be patient. Only if, if, if only people would leave me alone, I wouldn't seem so stubborn. You know, if only I tried harder. I, if, if only God would answer my prayers, I would change. See, the problem's not me. The problem's out there. We feel frustrated and we're tired because the problem's out there. We either go through the motions or we should keep trying to work harder and neither one of them seems to work because you haven't quite figured it out yet. The problem's not out there. And the problem isn't my DNA, and it isn't my ethnic heritage. The problem's in here. And the problem needs to be dealt with in here. By knowing Jesus. And when I want to know Jesus, Jesus invites me to meet him in the garden. I walk with him to the cross. Now, on the way to the cross, there, there, there are a couple of ditches that we can fall into that I think we need to be aware of. On the one hand, there's this, the trap of some called casual Christianity. It's, the, it, it's kind of status quo religion. It's the I'm okay, you're okay, because we all love Jesus thing. We, we do the Jesus stuff. And then everything's okay. Uh, we go through the motions. That's one way. I, I believe in Jesus. And everything's okay. And the other ditch is the, the committed Christian, the committed Christianity ditch. That um, it's just that I'm always trying harder. I'm always working harder. I've always got to do more, ditch. Here's the problem. Both of these ditches on the way to the cross are self-centered, self-oriented. I'm okay. No, I'm not. But as long as I think I'm okay, I'm in a ditch. I gotta try harder. No, you don't. But as long as you think you do, you're in the ditch. Because you see, you aren't the focus. My goal is to know Jesus. These two ditches are self-oriented ways of living. To be filled with God's infinite love, to the goal of knowing Jesus means a life on a whole different level. It's, it's not like a middle way. It's not like you got this extreme and this extreme and somewhere in the middle is, is knowing Jesus. And now it's like you got AM and FM and then there's TV. 
Okay, do you guys, some, I, I think maybe, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's try this differently. Uh, for those who don't remember radio, there, there were cassettes, and then there were CDs, and now there's Spotify, and Amazon, and Apple Music, and it's, you know, you don't own a single thing, but you own music. The, the stuff you own is permission to play that music on your phone or your tablet or your computer. Not your Walkman or your... No, so I've, I've lost everybody. Some, some of you are going, what is he talking about? You had me with AM, FM, and TV. Okay, stay there. For those of you who've got that, okay, so this is what we're talking about. There, there's, there's two ways of being self-centered, and then there's a whole different way of being Jesus-centered. However you want to phrase it, whatever picture will work for you, just understand this. We're not talking about something in the middle of two extremes. We're talking about apples, oranges, and cars. It's completely different. And to have Jesus, knowing Jesus as your goal is to completely empty ourselves of that self-oriented way of life. It's no longer, I'm okay, or I need to try harder. It's no longer about me. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's another way entirely. It's an invitation to walk with Jesus. Jesus put it this way. And, and his invitation is a rebuke to, to both ways of thinking, that, that casual and, and religion and a committed religion. Jesus put it this way. He calls the crowd together along with his disciples and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. I'm okay. I have to try harder. Got to deny that. And take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose and whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. It's a completely different way of living. It's a completely different level. It's not a middle road. It is completely different. The way of the cross always involves surrender. Um, saints, I... I, I you know, see, I, I've struggled with this word all week. What do we call people who've been who, who've been walking with Jesus for a long time? But when I was growing up, we called them saints. You know, senior saints. They're, they were the they were the people that uh, I, Jimmy Johnson was one of my one of my heroes growing up. He said when he when he was a teenager, he didn't want to be around his mom in church, particularly. Before he was saved, he would she would embarrass him in tears. Well, not he didn't get tears. She, it didn't matter what they sing a song. She started bawling. 
didn't embarrass him though. Just be quiet. So he would sit in the back as far away from her as he possibly could. But once he was saved, he sat next to her because he wanted whatever was happening to her to splash off on him. Those people that are so close to Jesus that when you get close to them, you feel him splashing off on you. Those people, whatever you want to call them, saints, spiritual directors, whatever, often talk about something called the prayer of relinquishment. They say it's the launch pad for the kind of life that Jesus calls us to, that life of denying ourselves and taking up our cross to follow him. See, the Bible is full of this kind of prayer of relinquishment. We talk about one at, uh, at Christmas time nearly every year. Gabriel shows up with Mary and he says, Hi, God bless you. You're going to have a baby. We're so used to this. To tell an unmarried Jewish girl, you're going to have a baby out of wedlock, was like telling her she was getting have a fatal disease. God loves you and has a terrible plan for your life. Some of you are not sure that I know what I'm saying, but that's exactly what Gabriel was saying to her. And what does she say at the end? I mean, her first response is, well, I don't understand how that works because I do, you know, I have had a conversation with mom and I've not been with anybody. You know, that's the way that's supposed to work. And, and Gabriel <laughs> says, well, that God does special things and that's how it's going to happen. And he's going to create a life in you. It's going to be his son. And, and her response is, okay, whatever God wants. That's a prayer of relinquishment. Another great example is also in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus invites us to start walking with him, where he prayed three times the same prayer. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. If, if this sounds like it might be easy to do I'm not you haven't tried it yet I mean if Jesus had to pray it three times I'm pretty sure you and I are going to be praying a lot more than that
either that or I'm really special. Because I know I haven't. Uh, and every time I think I have it nailed down, I find something else that I need to go, oh, this is not, I thought I put this on the list and it wasn't on the list. Let's start over. <coughs> It's part of the it's struggle is part of the the, the, the this uh, it's an essential part of the prayer of relinquishment. In a garden, it was such a big struggle for Jesus that he sweat drops of blood. The struggle was so real and so intense that this is an actual medical condition. The capillaries in his skin broke down so that the blood seeped out through his sweat glands. It's happened to other people under stress. See, the, the prayer of relinquishment is, is a real struggle because we are interacting with God, we're not resigning ourselves to faith. Our prayer is real dialogue with God. Relinquishment is is our full hearted, uh, full and, and wholehearted agreement with Him that His way is right and that His way is good, and what He wants to do is what we want. We're going to agree with him. It is the, the prayer of relinquishment is a real letting go, but it is a release with hope. It is a release with faith because we're confident in our faith and our trust in his character and who he is and what he's like. We know that God loves us. We know that Jesus loves us more than anything. And he is in this process inviting us deeper in and higher up into a more intimate relationship with him. He's not inviting us to be okay. He's not inviting us to know, to, to try harder. He is simply inviting us to know him more by surrender to him. My goal is to know Jesus, Paul says. So when you relinquish, when you surrender, you stop commanding and demanding. One author said it that way. I couldn't help but quote that. You stop commanding and demanding that God do things for you and that you he do things the way you want them done. And you turn everything over to him and allow him to handle the situation his way. Trusting him to do it. Do what's best, most loving, most wise. My goal is to know Jesus. Catherine Marshall. Now, some of you may have heard of her. She was an author from years ago, Christian author. She told the story of how she was led to make a change in what she was doing in order to get well. She was sick. She'd been sick for six months, a lung condition. Uh, 
she came across a pamphlet that told the story of a missionary uh, who had been an invalid for eight years. She was sick for eight years. And uh, she had been praying that God would make her well so that she could continue the work that she had been uh, been doing. And God uh, wasn't answering. And she came to the end of what she was doing and she prayed a prayer of surrender, a prayer of relinquishment. And her prayer went like this. All right, I give up. If you want me to be an invalid for the rest of my days, that's your business. Anyway, I've discovered that I want you even more than I want health. You decide. I love that line. I've discovered that I want you more than I want health. Remember Paul? My goal is to know Jesus. Well, anyway, Catherine Marshall uh, reported that within two weeks that missionary was completely healed and out of bed after eight years as an invalid. She also said she couldn't get the story out of her mind, so after a while she came to the same point of surrender and she prayed, I'm beaten, finished. God, decide what you want for me for the rest of my life. From that moment on, her recovery began and she felt as if the windows of heaven opened for her. My goal is to know Jesus. Now, will you receive the answer you've been praying for uh, as these two women did? Maybe. Maybe not. Jesus went to the cross. Mary got pregnant. And every time she walked down the street in her hometown, there were still people whispering about how she had a bump before she and Joseph got married. But do you remember the missionary's prayer? I've discovered I want you even more than I want health. And Paul's statement, my goal is to know Jesus. Catherine Marshall's prayer. God, you decide what you want for me for the rest of my life. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. My goal is to know you. That's it. I want. When you're ready to let go of everything but Jesus, you're going to find as you make the struggle for that prayer of surrender, there's three ingredients 
it's not really a formula, so I, I, it's not really steps, but there's things that are involved. These three parts, for lack of, I, I kept trying to find a word that I liked, and as you can tell, I'm still trying. I don't know what to mean. But part of it is, you're going to give your life to Jesus. Like Catherine Marshall said, decide what you want for me for the rest of the life. Like Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be as you said. Give your life to Jesus. Trust him. Trust Jesus. Stop commanding and demanding that he does what you want to be done. Trust Jesus. Jesus loves you and yours. Let him lead your life without telling him how to do it. Sorry, I had to stop and preach to somebody. For those of you in Facebook land, yes, that means I was preaching in there. Man. Oh. And here's where the real fight begins. Accept Jesus' will. Trust his character. He's good. He always seeks our best. He knows what is best. He loves us. I mean, there's nobody else who died for you. Seriously. Nobody. There's nobody who died for you and come back. Guarantee that. So my goal is to know Jesus. So think about this for with me. As I mentioned, wanting to know Jesus more than you want anything else, what's going on inside of you right now? It's just between you and Jesus. Okay, you don't need to say anything out loud. Just between you and Him. But think about this, as I mentioned, wanting to know him more than you want anything else, what's going on inside you?
Are you ready to declare that your life's goal is to know you? Are you ready to say, my goal is to know Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you are the king. King of all kings. You have no rival. You have no equal. today that I am not okay. I confess that I am. No, not just probably. I am definitely far more broken than even I realize. I know of you, you love me more. So much more than I could ever imagine. Of trying harder. I'm tired, tired of trying to remind you of all the things that I'm doing and trying to do. I'm ready to hear your voice <coughs> telling me that. always loved me. That you will never love me more or less.
Massachusetts. Send your spirit to help me fight through the struggle. Because I want to know you. Help me to surrender and believe. to know you. Help me to let go of everything else. for us to uh, sing that song we sang a little earlier. I surrender all. So Ray, if you could get the slides back up on the screen for us. Also, I'll have again one more piece of homework for you. Read Philippians 3 once or twice. And Struggle your way through. As the saints used to say, pray your way through the prayer of the Lankers way. Pray until you know, you know, that you know, that you know that you have won the victory. We're sent to make the most of the opportunity that God has laid in front of us to know Jesus and to help others know him too. But you are not going alone. Go with Jesus, our King, in the Spirit's power. You may go. Amen.